Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and today I have author Guy Finley joining me. Our topic today is Find the Lost Bridge Over Troubled Waters, based on Guy's book, The Seeker, The Search, The Sacred, Journey to the Greatness Within. Guy Finley is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, and his newest book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. He is the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon. Guy is a faculty member at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and at 1440 Multiversity. Tune in every Sunday morning and Wednesday evening for Guy's free online classes and register now for free at www.guyfinley.org forward slash webinar. Guy, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. So nice to have you with me. I'm really looking forward to this. Loved the book. I read and listened to it over the weekend. And the one thing that kept repeating in my mind while listening was what a true seeker you are and what a gift this is to fellow seekers. Not only is this compilation like awesome to read, but I could see myself sitting and reflecting on each one on a daily basis as well. And what was your reason for creating this? And what was the title meant to convey? So first, uh, I could cite you all kinds of reasons. uh, But in the end, I was powerless not to do it. But the history, if you were to is uh, my own journey began sometime around the age of, I'm going to say nine or 10 years old. Uh, And it just, and it progressed through a a series of what, you know, if a biography is ever written, people go, oh, look, wow, you know, he, 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 he was, you know, he got with these people and he got with those people and they did this and they did that. And oh, that's what, but all that's, really secondary to the reason for our work as human beings who want to become and realize another order of ourselves. So around the age of, I don't know, 28 or 29 years old, by that time I had been, oh gosh, around the world, had sat at the feet of Almost everyone you could sit at the feet of had brushed their feet with my forehead, had looked for Shaktipat to change and rearrange me, waiting for the great Kundalini moment. I mean, you name it, you know, whatever that mindfulness state is, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not denigrating that, please. I'm just saying that all of that's grist for the mill and must become at a certain point in a seeker's life. And when I got back uh, from some of those voyages, I had been in the music business. I had been a songwriter, a composer first white soft rock artist ever to sign with Motown Records. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I didn't realize that. Another part of the journey. <laughs> um, 
And I had the good fortune again of, by hook or crook, coming into the presence of a, what I would call a fully awakened human being, uh, by any other term, a Christian mystic, uh, a true man of the East, whatever it is that compromises a human being with conscience. This is what Vernon Howard was. And I spent 15 years working with him, eventually becoming friends and co-director of his foundation. And during that time, I fell in love with a book that he wrote. It was called The Mystic Masters Speak. And like yourself, you know, it's it's like a it's like a, a wine that you really only need a little sip of and you're and you're you're spinning because something in you directly corresponds with whatever the consciousness is of those individuals that wrote out those short ideas and that have reached across time seemingly to touch your own heart. And his book, I wanted the world to know about it. I was, what was I at that age, 29, 30 years old? I, 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 my search was over. I knew my work began. And I started trying to, uh, what do they call it, syndicate <laughs> Mr. Howard's book. And I'd actually sit and type out, this is a long time ago, probably before you were born. Uh, I'd sit and type these things out, and then I'd go hand deliver these uh, transcripts to the newspapers in Southern California where I lived. And I got five or six newspapers to actually carry that little column. But the point was, as I was doing that, I thought to myself, I am going to one day take this idea that Mr. Howard had, and I'm going to expand upon it. Because actually, that was what he told me to do before he died, uh, which I won't go into. And so missed the 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 Seeker, the Search, the Sacred became my own way of beginning to incorporate and integrate the ideas that I had found attractive over these many years of my search into something that I felt could be a cohesive, constructive bit of writing that when someone would read it, they'd start to say, wait a minute. So that fellow back there in 5,322 BC said exactly the same thing that she said in 1962. How is that possible? And then you start to understand that this book and our work is the recognition of the title, The Seeker, The Search, The Sacred, a singularity that is not in time, but being revealed in time, a timeless singularity being revealed through the passage of time. And the passage of time is, in fact, the bridge into this timeless consciousness, this wisdom by the grace of God, that we are all intended to be a part of. So that being a part of it, why write the book? That we can begin to have this bridge over troubled water. We can find the part of us intended to evolve, to wake up, which is what evolution is in the truest sense of the word. Because you're not really, evolution is not progression. We're looking at a culture come unglued because it has gone through a series of progressions, each one an opposite of the stage before. So the conflict increases and then it finally explodes. Real evolution is the awakening of the soul to its natural relationship with that which created it. Call it what you will, I don't care. So that we get to the point where now we start to realize I am, I'm literally created to transcend every split second 
that I'm aware of what needs to be transcended. So that we start to get this idea that we're not here to cling to thoughts, certainly not derive images, let alone create icons that we worship, whether teachers, gurus, or, you know, crosses or Methuselah, uh, you know, whatever, all those symbols, but to become an integrated part of a greater intelligence. Sorry for the long answer, but there is the first one. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. And it really explains the human condition throughout time. We all experience the same thing. So let's talk about that seeker within us that is going through that process of evolution and to, into consciousness. Well, it begins with something, and I don't know if I put it in this particular book, The Seeker, The Search, The Sacred. I'm so glad that you liked it, Liz. I'll tell you a little personal secret. Please. The first book, I well, not the first book, because I wrote a few books before The Secret of Letting Go. But the Secret of Letting Go became an international best-selling book and has been for like 30 years, by the grace of God. And every book that I wrote after that, which was really the evolution of my own clarity, became less and less popular. So the more clear I became, <laughs> the, the less people wanted to do with what I was talking about. Interesting. It, it is interesting, because The Secret of the Search, The Sacred, Apprentice of the Heart, the newest book, Relationship Magic. God, these, uh, I know that in them is what everyone who is looking for a relationship with the divine is actually looking for. Not because I'm the one, but I just, this is the evolution of a path that is not individual. The seeker, you and I, are not really Liz and Guy. You look a lot better than Guy. You are a female. I am a male, although that's probably politically incorrect nowadays. But the fact of the matter is, pure and simple, we're all born with what we could call divine dissatisfaction. It's just in us. You, I don't care who you are. I've been married 40 years. My wife and I have a fantastic relationship. Never raised our voices at each other once in 40 years. Uh, how could you have something better than that? Uh, by the by, all forms of grace, I've been through everything a man can be. I've died physically. Uh, I've been a carpenter, a poet, a pawn, then a, a king. You know, I've, every you. That's it. And every last one of those things had in it, no matter how well it went, a sense that something's missing. That's what the seeker has a sense that he or she is incomplete. The book and all teachings are about introducing the seeker to the idea that the search is not to be meant outside of them, but eventually to see that all searching and acquiring outside brings us back to the same place where for a moment we feel like, got it, oh, no, I don't. Got it, no, I don't. So that every iteration, literally, of, a, of an incarnation, meaning some task, some path, something that I get involved with, gradually produces that this thing isn't really what I'm looking for. So then we become the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter. We find out that the real journey is back home. But now the task is, how do I make that journey? And again, this book outlines that. Yeah. How do we make that journey? Can you discuss that a little bit? It's not so well known Western-wise. But it's really a path of negation, Liz. They say neti nati, not this, not that. 
because I mean, I don't know about you. I look at my own life and every last one of these milestones that instead of becoming the sense of disappointment or is that all there is, are meant to be a stepping stone so that the milestone is not an end in itself. It is the evidence that there is more to the journey to make. The dissatisfaction, the sense of emptiness, wondering, well, well God, I, you know, I, I did it. I got it. I, I hold it. I have it. You know, now what? You know, is, is life just about good sex until you can't have it? Is, is it just about eating until you can't digest food? I mean, it sounds silly, but this is pretty much the basis of humanity. But to find out that each one of those points where you come to an end, if you will accept completely the emptiness that was once the fullness, then you enter into a world where emptiness and fullness are no longer apart from one another. And then you begin to discover from yourself and for yourself that the whole of life is that cup. You've just been going through these iterations through different experiences and taking the experience to be the whole enchilada when it wasn't even the restaurant. I mean, it's not even, you know, it's not even the deal. But you get a taste of that and then you get a taste of that. And gradually, if you're willing to be honest with yourself, which is critical, then you begin to meet moments in life with a completely different mindset. You're not looking at as the fulfillment of yourself. You don't deny the pleasure of accomplishing something, but nor do you get pumped up because you did something. You understand this is just the next stage of revelation of a completely different order of reality in which time no longer plays the role it did in your life, which was always to become someone, to become something, to get something, always from here to there. The awakening, the seeker, the search, the sacred as a singularity is discovering that here is there. Yes. And each one is a seed. I reminded you to call them seeds of fire. Can you explain why? Yeah, because you get, God willing, because <laughs> you get lit up. <laughs> you, 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 you look out and you suddenly realize, like an example, I'm not talking too much. Am I talking too much? No, please elaborate. Okay. Love it. In one of my books, I tell a story that really deals with this whole thing, Seed of Fire. I was, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old. Uh, I had been a little successful already, and I was living in Malibu at the time. Who knew? <laughs> and I was wandering through an open market there, and I, I walked across a booth, Liz, and in this booth were like 100 bonsai trees. You know what a bonsai tree is? You know, these beautiful... I tilt my camera and let you look out my window because... I'm st I still have trees from six, from 55, 60 years ago that I, anyway. And I looked at these trees and I, I started to cry. I'd never seen one before. I just started weeping openly. I have no idea. That's happened to me about four times in my life where I've walked into some place and I've heard a certain uh, kind of instrument play, uh, just, you know, just spontaneous. And I, so I went in there. And I was so drawn to these trees, but I had no idea why. Fast forward 30 years, 
everything in life, though we don't fully understand it yet, is really serving as a mirror of our own consciousness. So that these old trees with this suffering in their trunk, you know, showing showing all the things that a tree on a cliff, a juniper, you know, lashed by wind and water, all of that in that little tree. And you look at that, and if you're attentive, you are that. It's just telling you something about yourself that you didn't know. Literally, that's all it's doing. And that's all life is, is showing you constantly something that you don't know about yourself. That's why in the hermetic teachings, as above, so below, as within, so without. Mm -hmm. Not divided, unified, but we're divided. We have a consciousness that is presently, for the most part, so busy trying to become what it imagines it needs to be whole, that it can't behold it already is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, so take that story now. Here's this beautiful ancient thing, and suddenly I am participating in ancientness. I'm participating in suffering, in balance, in beauty. Now, let's take that tree and turn it into an idea, like as above, so below. Uh, that the limit of your present view is not the limit of your possibility. You you can't hear an idea like that and not have something in you perk up. You go, yeah. But it's a mystery. What does it mean? So the invitation is in the evocation of that part of your soul that reflects the truth. Because you can't reflect the truth unless the truth is in you. So it's a corresponding moment where what seems to be separate is shown to be not separate at all. And the more you see that, the more you accept everything that you're shown, including these moments where you read something in a book, you hear a quote, I know for me, and, and you oh yeah, well, yeah, now let me, let me, if I, if I could disappear into that, I would. Now, eventually you will. If you persist with your spiritual work, mm -hmm. you will find increasing moments where the leaves racing across the, the forest floor are no longer a problem. You know, they're part of you, but not because you're imagining it, because you're sharing in that moment. And then when they stop running and the squirrel goes up the tree, I'm describing real-time activity here. <laughs> <laughs> then then, then you, you're, into another, you're into another complete order of experience none of which are separate from each other, but all build on one another to produce seeker, search, sacred, a singularity that we're intended to realize while we're in this body. Yes, amazing. It reminds me of something I heard Carolyn May say in a, um, something I listened to last week. I jotted it down and I'm so glad I have it near me. She said, the laws are working through you. The language of the body is the language of the soul discover how powerful soul is about incarnated. The word incarnated, the language of the body is the language of the soul. And that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, you know, just right then is that as above, so below, incarnating that 
we are incarnated. And yeah, incarnated yeah, yes. Searcher, seeker. The, the, yep. Yes. Go ahead. My capacity, your capacity, the people who are joining us, we can do it. We, we should do it all the time, but we have to be reminded a lot. Uh, my capacity to be fully present is the same as participating in presence. This moment itself, what we call now, is really just a, uh, a kind of a snapshot in time of something that's timeless. So, but we don't have inwardly enough energy, another kind of body, if you will, that allows us to recognize that this relationship is not something that is isolated as our mind makes it, where this moment means this, and that moment creates that, and he did this, and now I've got to go there. So that mind, present mind, is always isolating, focusing, selecting, and acting to try to restore what it says is balance that it's lost because the event doesn't match what it wants. But to discover that the mind that does that cannot complete itself, rather it is actually isolating itself in each and every moments where thought, like why would I be bothered by whatever it is that happens? I can't be bothered by, I can't be triggered. That's a big word these days. Yeah. I, can't, I, I'm, I can't, you didn't put a gun in me. I'm triggered because I'm carrying around the residue of some experience that was finally crystallized into something, literally a creature. In the old, old teachings, they talk about uh, these nafs. They talk about the way in which certain qualities become crystallized in a human being. That's why it's kind of painful in a way to go through awakening because they have to be dissolved, not changed, not controlled, dissolved. And only one thing can dissolve these images, ideas, opinions, and beliefs conditioned as they are. And that is a consciousness, another order that can see that that is not I. Remember you asked why, what is that? Well, that's not I. I don't say to myself, that's not I. I can see pretty clearly. I'm having a negative reaction. I don't need to think to myself, what do I do with the reaction? Because thinking about what to do with the reaction means I think I'm not the one having, I mean, I think I'm the one, you know, having, the, no. To see it, pure seeing, the thing rises, it falls. It comes out of emptiness, it goes back into emptiness, as all thought, by the way, is intended to do. I wish it always did. <laughs> that, that takes me back to something you said earlier about our reflections and things and being triggered by things. And what are people reflecting back to us that are our triggers and our belief systems, childhood woundings, you know, our inner triggers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but you see, that's where, and it's actually, I'm sure it's one of the quotes in the, in the secret search sacred book. Just to be clear, so everybody knows, it is literally compiled in three sections, things that concern the seeker, things that concern the search, things that concern sacredness. And each of those sections that lay out from thousands of years ago to present time are uh, explained and expanded on through an essay that sets that up. So that there is this more complete understanding of the, you know, the gestalt of the whole thing. So these triggers, 
where, where is it that I can begin to understand, taking a quote, he prepareth a feast in the presence of my enemies. What in God's name was Christ talking about? What do you mean a feast in the presence of my enemies? Are you kidding me? And of course, you could take any true teaching, you know, turn your cheek seven times. No, not seven, 70 times. All these things that go, sell all and father me. Sure, I'll do that. Sure, I will. <clears throat> because we don't understand the meaning and not by accident that scripture across the board has been corrupted by those who want to control uh, men and women for their own evil purposes. <clears throat> but he prepares yes. a feast in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? Oh, wait a minute. I didn't know <clears throat> that I live in perpetual fear of being betrayed. My first girlfriend slept with another guy. And I swore to God that I would never again, as long as I live, fall in love because it hurt too much. But of course, that's like saying I'm never going to eat a cupcake again. You know, just it just doesn't happen. <laughs> but but unbeknownst to oneself, especially in those high pitched, uh, hormone driven, uh, high days of youth, you know, you, that 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 there's something formed in that moment. Mm -hmm. We don't know it's formed. And instead of going ahead to make the crooked places straight, it goes ahead and makes everything crooked that should be straight. So that I look at you looking at some man and I don't even know you. I, I, we just, we're just going out for a cup of coffee and, and suddenly I'm afraid. I don't know why I'm afraid. And then I start treating you, resisting your manifestation because I think that what you're doing is going to bring up this pain, but there's no me thinking about this. This isn't an intellectual process. It is mechanical. It is chemical. It is emotional. And when you don't know that you're walking around as a human being with all these things, then little by little, instead of, I'm going to make a big jump here. I look at the bonsai tree. I feel the ancientness of it. I look at a night sky. I feel the timelessness of it. I look at something in you doing something, and it reveals to me something in myself. And I love the bonsai tree. I love the sky. I don't love the suffering that I experience when you trigger that part of me that has been carrying itself all of this time. Mm -hmm. To understand that is to know what it means to he prepares a feast in the presence of my enemies. Yes. The divine shows us these qualities and characters through the presence of those that we deny or resist. So that then we begin to understand that person is my teacher, the one that I hate, the one that I fear, the one that I judge so ruthlessly. If I could understand it, then I'd begin to understand physician heal thyself. Because at last I know I'm being given an opportunity with every split second of my life, particularly the ones that I don't want yes. to learn about something in me that walks around not wanting anything that doesn't confirm it or protect it. Then we're on to something pretty big, Liz. Yes, because everything <laughs> we're seeing, we're overlaying our experience onto and it's reflecting back to us what that is and what a gift it is really in the end to be able to have awareness around that and unwind it. Anyway. Well, how about instead of unwind it, which sounds like something I'm doing, how about see that that's no longer in any shape or form something of service to me? Yes. I die to it. I die to it. To unwind it means there's me doing an unwinding. To see it as something superfluous, as residue from the past, is to instantaneously separate the wheat from the chaff, create a sudden 
clear distinction, ah, not I, ah, not I, not I. And what is it that knows that those forms, if you will, in the dark of oneself, what is it that knows that those things in the dark of oneself aren't oneself other than the light? Beautiful. Well said. And what a gift to be able to just have it sitting here and have present moment sitting here and be able to detach from that. That was then, this is now and not have that suffering continue on within you. Yeah. yeah. After that self-realization. Yeah. If, if we're, if we are willing, big word. Mm -hmm. And it's big to, work. <laughs> well, yeah, it is right. Because not my will, but thy will be done. Well, what does that mean? It means that in that moment, I must accept the revelation and not reject it. And what we call working to control or change people or things is the rejection of a revelation. If I would accept the revelation first, then I may or may not become active at whatever it is that I believe in that's right and true, you know. Uh, but, but the first things first, that's always the, the real task. Seek ye first the kingdom of this reflection of the soul, kingdom of heaven. Awesome. That leads me to something that I jotted down that I loved that you said, passion for finding a higher life. So how do we tap into that passion for finding a higher life with all of these tools that you're explaining and well, <laughs> liberate us from our traumas and fear? <laughs> uh, I assume that you like nature. I would, yes. I would get that. And you go ever go for a long hike. Definitely. Did you have to awaken your thirst for water when you after you'd hiked for two hours? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, yeah, you didn't awaken the thirst. The thirst was part of the journey. Mm -hmm. See that—that's the passion ah. for learning the truth about oneself is born out of recognizing, to some extent, I don't know what this pain is. I don't have a clue. But I've every every time I'm in pain, I'm pretty sure it's because of you, because I don't have this, because I put on some weight because of COVID, because of this political party or that group. I'm sure that my pain is the product of a condition outside of me. And my pain is not a product of a condition outside of me. The condition is revealing that there is some suffering going on in my consciousness prior to the moment that reveals it. This is big. Yes. This is big because not none of us want. We just think we're just thrown into the hands of this suffering. This is what Buddha. You know, small segue, but he's in the book, you know, <laughs> right? That the the noble truth, the four noble truths, is that we are in this world suffering. We're in this world suffering because we, without knowing it, are attached to everything, because of desires that we don't understand. The solution to the suffering is to see the attachments and the nature that desires. And in the awareness of something that literally contradicts itself with everything it does. Why am I, why do I desire approval from somebody? So that I can feel like I'm whole and happy and good. But then you don't approve of me. And the next thing that I know, the very search for approval turns into feeling that I've been betrayed or otherwise disrespected. And now I have an enemy. So you can't separate the idea of enemy from seeking approval. It's impossible. They're one thing. Again, another scripture quote. 
you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and despise the other. That's what Christ was talking about, a consciousness that is a set apart from itself. You can't change that consciousness through any act of will, but through another order of understanding, you can become the master, not you, but that light masters that instead of you trying to master yourself, which is a fool's game. That's the long part of the seeker and the search part where you keep thinking to yourself, you know, I had that moment. I, I did. I, the, my Kundalini awakened. I, I, I had that Shaktipat. I, 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 I spiraled. I was transported. And by the way, all of those things are part of the journey. But to see that 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 that, that moment in the journey is not. How do I say this? That moment of the journey is not the end of the seeker. It is the continuation of it if the seeker believes that he or she were the one responsible for that experience. Just took place. Mm -hmm. Just part of a gift. But you don't... The, I don't want gifts. I want to know the giver. Yes. And that responsibility piece. You know, so often... We as humans want to put it on others <clears throat> without claiming that responsibility for ourselves because it's not you made me feel this way or you caused me to do this. It's a personal choice within ourselves to either react or respond in a way to the situation. You know, it's true, Liz, and uh, trying to decide whether to go down a certain road here. We might have already lost most of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> When, when I was, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years old, my father, God rest his soul, uh, was quite the genius, I suppose you'd call him. He was time man of the year at one point because of his, his pronounced interest and activity in the world of accomplishing things. So at one point back in California in those days, uh, he was the what they call the honorary sheriff of the Hollywood Christmas Parade. They used to have these big parades. I don't know if they still do anymore. I'm up in Oregon. And so we would be in the green room where all the celebrities were waiting to go get in their cars. And I remember sitting there seven years old. I couldn't understand it at all. But I, I could feel so much pain in the room. Mm. People jockeying. No, I don't want to be in car three. I want to be in car one. I don't want 18th car. There won't be camera, you know, and drinking. And, you know, and here's the, the, the hoi polloi of the world at that point. And everyone is afraid and anxious. And I thought to myself, you know, something, something's goofy here. <laughs> something's not right. How can a person have so much, including myself as I grew up, and be so unhappy? Then I started to understand that people without knowing it, have a certain kind of pain that is inherent in being a human being that they don't know what to do with. And our lives are spent trying to free ourselves from a pain that is intended to be part of the transformation of our existence, not that which torments us. And this journey of mine, and I won't go into other steps of it, but has been nothing but a, a ceaseless, beautiful, horrible confirmation and verification of the fact that until we know for a fact what to do inwardly with this sense of being incomplete, inadequate, 
horrible. Until we know exactly what to do with its appearance, we just go from appearance to appearance to appearance and nothing changes. Oh, well said. <clears throat> really well said. And it reminds me of something you said too in the book. While most wish to be free, free few do their inner work. That we choose familiarity over our need to be made anew. Yeah. Well, we, you know, but again, see, the thing that's so good about this is that when you know that is true about yourself, you don't judge others for it because you were as helpless as they are. You understand that these things unfold and that you can take a certain kind of active role in that unfolding, which if you want to use words might, in quotes, accelerate one's development. You know, the certain paths are talked about, the, you know, the, the, the path of the fox, the quick path, all that business. They're not alluding to you know, drive through McDonald's and become a, a, a majestic human being. It's referring to the fact that there is a way in which when we begin to get a little glimpse of this, that I can start to do something with my own unhappiness that I've never done before. And this connects intimately with it. I know you're going to like this. You ready? Yes. The original meaning of the word patience. It's one of my very favorite words. Mm. Like, for instance, St. Paul said, in your patience, possess you your soul. That's in the book. Well, what does that mean? You ready? The original meaning of the word patience before it was turned into something uh, that we feel good about ourselves with, what really what we call tolerating others is what we call patience. Yes. Tolerate, tolerating each other is not patience. <laughs> <laughs> patience means to suffer yourself. Mm. See now, see now. You, remember, we talked about well, what, something. There's a seed of fire, but I don't want to. I'm not interested in that. I'm not gonna. I'm not interested in suffering myself. Hell, everything about my life is finding a way to escape myself. And you can't. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you can't. I think you know that's like you may go through a whole in a whole lifetime. And realize that I've been trying to escape myself. I've been trying to escape my impatience because I've always thought people were idiots. I've been trying to escape my sense of poverty. And I resent my brothers for having more than I do. I mean, you just go a thousand different ways and see that basically everything that we're, in quotes, trying to do is really trying to get away from who we don't want to be. Even the path. Yes. Like seeking very much so. than ourselves to, yeah. To leave yeah. the suffering behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can't. The self that wants to leave the suffering behind is the suffering self. And how long does it take? You know, you know how many how many smacks on the head with a two by four before we start to wake up a little bit and recognize there may be some truth to this. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very selective about my teacher. What about you? Yeah. You know, I only want the teacher that says, you look marvelous. You know, that good job. You've got it now. I think you're very close to this awakening. You're right there. I don't want any teacher that says, you know what? Why, why would you ever say something like that to someone? The hammer. And in that moment not to judge myself. You see, you can't, 
Patience doesn't have judgment in it. How about that? There's no judgment in patience. That means that I have to sit in the entirety of my own consciousness in that moment. Patience allows me to see everything that is revealed in that split second, the whole mirror and the whole self revealed, boom. Judgment separates me from any revelation. So if I can put that idea together, then I can realize being feeling bad about myself, it's a waste of time. Hating myself, what a, what a fool's errand. But to understand that means that when I get ready to do that habitual action, God, you idiot. I mean, you, you idiot, you idiot, you idiot, you know? What a, no. I say that to avoid seeing the nature that acted incompletely. And if I can simply be present enough to see the complete action of an incomplete nature, then in that split second, I exit that moment a different human being than the one that went into it. Wow. Can you unwrap that a little bit more? Because that was really deep and profound. And I think I want our listeners to be able to really grasp that. Well, that's the true bridge. That's Christ walking on the water. All of the various metaphors, myths, and fairy tales, all these things point to the fact that as a human being, we have a nature that is bound in time, that is confined in a body, that is going to have to serve nature according to what it is that we were given coming into this body through our celestial influences and the planetary marriage of those things. You're not going to get away with that. I can no more look like you, you know, you know, nor should you want to look like me. I mean, th this is it. This is what I was, what I was given coming into this world. But inside of this body is a seed. We think the body is the flower. That's why we're so afraid of it dying, why we're so afraid of not completing it according to its idea of what would make it complete. No, the whole thing is a seed. The truth is the whole moment is a seed, and in one respect, the whole of reality of, of life itself is a seed. The, the passage, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, that, that wasn't like something that happened in the Big Bang, some stupid idea of something in time, although it may have manifested itself like a fractal, but the whole thing is that moment, in the beginning. And that's the bridge is to understand that what I'm troubled by only remains a trouble as long as I sit and attend to the nature that's troubled by it. But if I understand I'm not that nature, and I'm able to remain present enough to see that it comes up, I'm not going to take part. Conscience, conscience will never betray itself. It's impossible. Conscience will never compromise itself. It's impossible. We are meant to live a conscientious life. The more conscientious we are, the more we understand that we are intended to come into a moment and we are intended to be reborn in that same moment and exit that moment having left ourselves and found ourselves all at once. Mm -hmm. Well said. Beautiful. 
it's nice that we can sit here and feel these things together, isn't it? It is. I'm really yeah. enjoying our conversation, Guy. Yeah. Thank you. And I know our listeners are too. I hope so. Gosh, I'm going to wind us back a little bit to yeah. our suffering. So I liked two quotes. I believe it was section three. William Cooper, the path of sorrow and that path alone leads to the land where sorrow is unknown. No traveler reached that blessed abode who found not thorns and briars in his road. And then Carl Jung, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. And I think we find ourselves right now, this last year, and I think a little bit longer, hardship, difficulty, tragedy. And I'm seeing it as a global gateway into consciousness. Can we discuss that a little bit? Oh, would that it were so. You know, certainly we, God knows. I mean, you, at a point in a person's work, they stop working for themselves because they realize there, there is no separate self, not as some fantasy and not because you want to win some Nobel prize, but because you just get it. What I'm doing transcends me period. That applies to everyone. It's just that we don't get, we can't see the picture yet of it. My, my husband comes and snaps at me. My child contradicts me. My dog won't sit and I lose my temper. doesn't take much. In that split second, can I be the one? Not in terms of egotism, but the one who understands that that is the, the alchemical moment. That's a real alchemical moment to come into this moment with a certain set of triggers, ideas, beliefs, demands, expectations, and to let that moment show me through the pain of the resistance to the revelation. All psychological pain is born out of the resistance to a revelation and to accept the revelation without ifs, ands, or buts means that in that moment, the light that brought the self that came through time and the timelessness that touched it, boom, there they are together. And I leave that moment one. One that was always there, one that will become the next one going forward through the rest of the experiences required. And if I do my work, if you do your work, Liz, that's how the world changes. Groups do not change the world. There's no such thing. The more that you have anyone that is set against something, the more they will find to be set against. Mm -hmm. And you have conflict driven that way. But when we come to the end of conflict in ourselves, then our actions become clear because we're no longer the one choosing what the action is. Rather, we're part of the integration of the whole of a moment that cannot act against itself or anyone else. This is where the real hope lies for us. But as you said, there's no coming to consciousness, as Jung said, no coming to consciousness without pain. Yeah. How can we verify that? See, that's what we're looking at. How can I know that's true? Well, I could pick up, for instance, a book by Viktor Frankl, who I, I've taken a quote from in The Secret Book, too. Mm -hmm. Here's a man thrown into a Nazi prison camp, tortured like every other poor soul in that situation, but who is able to take the nature that would hate and use that, literally use the force of that conflict to create a completely different order of consciousness that doesn't just affect everyone else in the camp, but that becomes an icon, a seed of fire, both in its singular and grand expression, so that a person understands it is possible. 
I don't have to be subject to what the world says I need to suffer over because the world is subject to suffering that it blames everything else on. I can be different than that. I can be the one, O-N-E, that understands the moment allows for the transformation, transfiguration, and incarnation of another order of consciousness, step by step by step. Yes. And how can our listeners, how can people in the world use this seed that we've been given right now to trans go within and transform ourselves to create the life, the society, the planet we want to live in? Well, by understanding that my task really isn't to transform the world, my task is to see that something in me keeps repeating itself and calling that transformation. So honesty is the first thing. And then after honesty, I, I, would, I think I would turn to that word patience. I know that I have, that there's no end to the possibilities of a person being able to perceive if you don't mind, I'll, I'm working, I'm, I, I talk uh, two or three times a week for free online. Everyone's welcome to join. They'll find out about it. But so I was thinking, so well, let's see, when a person wants to see something very tiny, they go to a microscope. Person wants to see the stars, they go to a telescope. But whether I'm looking at the tiniest or the grandest doesn't allow me to see that the grandest and the tiniest are reflections of each other, because they are. So what do I need? And I, I'm coining a word. I need a, a telescope. I need something that allows me to see both worlds at the same time and to recognize they're already complete. And we have a telescope in us. Because mm -hmm. when I look, here's a scientist, they discover something extraordinary about DNA. Well, did they discover something extraordinary about DNA on the slide? Or was the discovery, the revelation that their consciousness already understood the matrix of that thing? And now I get it because I'm not apart from the thing I discovered. I look up at a black hole or some galaxy, some of the pictures the Hubble's taking now. You know, I'm stirred. Why am I stirred? Because that's not out there. That whole thing is maybe not, may not even exist the way that our minds tell us it does. But that which I see and experience, the majesty, the beauty, the vastness. Well, if I had a telescope, then I'd be able to understand that nothing that I see outside of myself is outside of myself. And then I would begin to understand that, well, really what I need to do is to become attentive, mindful, as Buddha would say. So that instead of being carried off from pillar to post by every pleasure or escaping pain, I remain within that telescope that shows me there's nowhere to go, only something to see. Then I remain a seer, attentive. If you want to write it down, listeners, here's a very, it's one of my very favorite ideas. Uh, I have to quote myself sometimes. As goes your attention, so comes your experience. As goes your attention, so comes your experience. You asked me, well, how do we begin to employ this? There it is. Begin to connect the fact that the reason you're feeling what you're feeling and thinking what you're thinking about is because before you knew it, your consciousness, its attention, which is not meant to be separated from your awareness of it, goes off like a dog without a leash. 
and it gets into trouble. That's what dogs do without leashes. That's what this mind does. The un another quote, the unattended mind is the breeding ground of self-defeat. Pure and simple. And if I actually start to see that, then I think, I, well, I need to attend to myself. But something saying, wait, guy, what about this? What about that? Look at the world. Look at this. Wait a minute. Let me attend to myself first. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else is added to you. These, all this starts to marry itself, Liz. Yes. Oh my gosh, it reminds I was laying in bed Saturday meditating, and I had an aha moment about life and this what we put attention on is what we receive, right? Yep. And I got this great analogy. This was the aha moment, like an algorithm. So you have an algorithm for Facebook or Instagram, right? And it's watching what you're searching and then it gives you yeah, everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> based on what you've been searching for right that's yeah. what we do yeah in life what we are putting our attention on the universe god the all that is spirit is giving us reflections ideas images experiences based on what we've got our attention on just like that algorithm Every thought is a prayer. We just don't know it. So if I'm sitting and regretting something, resenting my, mo my mom, hating the world, I'm actually praying for the experience of that hatred. Whereas if I see that and I'm aware, I don't need thought. Now thought is turned into awareness. Awareness cannot act against itself because it's already integrated into the whole of itself. So we begin to see this wonderful epiphany that you had and realize it in real time. And that's the task, you see. Yes. Because something in me wants to go think about what happened 22 years ago. And then I think to myself, I need therapy. I need drugs. I need more CBD oil or whatever it is that I need so I can get past, so I can sleep. Well, the reason you can't sleep is because your mind is dedicated to seeing that you suffer. I'm using words. Mm -hmm. to seeing that you suffer what it points to so that it can continue the experience of your life at your expense, period. That's the real crucifixion. The real separation is beginning to recognize that there's something in me and it's natural to this world. It wants what it wants. Show me any creature that doesn't want what it wants. Well, who thinks to themselves that this body and this mind conditioned as it is, doesn't want what it wants. Ah, but what you want is no longer what I want. Yes. God, I'm having something else that I wrote down. Where is it? Can I find it? Take your time. I know we don't have a lot of time, but take your time anyway. We're running out, but this would be a great thing to finish with. Oh, I don't think I can find it. It was the one where everything seeks, even that outside seeks. All ah, here it is. The celestial law that it isn't just you and me that's searching. Every living thing is seeking out for something to fulfill itself. Yes, that's ah. exactly right. That's exactly right. We don't see it, the, 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 the flower that tilts to the sun. 
Why does it do that? It's seeking what completes it. You and I are created with no, no part of our own responsible to seek what completes us. The, the trick is, the secret, the search, the sacred, is to understand that what completes us is already complete in us. And seeing that brings an end to the sense of being separate, the sense of suffering and attachment and dependency produced by trying to prove to myself that I have what makes me whole. You will never prove to yourself, no idea, no image, no icon, that you are already whole. You discover that that holiness is already there by dying to what is unholy, meaning divided in this consciousness. Yes. Guy, well said. Once again, thank you so much. This has been such a fabulous conversation. I appreciate you. Uh, you. I feel the same way. I, uh, I always know how inwardly, uh, how something has gone. And, and if, no, if nothing else, you and I have had a marvelous time together. <laughs> yes, we have, haven't we? I know everyone's going to enjoy it. So, Guy, why don't you let everybody know um, how they can find you and about your free webinar that's going to be coming up um, in April, April 18th. First, uh, obviously, go to guyfinley.org, G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y.org. Uh, you can download a free book right on the homepage, uh, an ebook. I want people to have the ideas. You can, you can spend years, and I mean literally years, going through the free material there. Mm -hmm. I speak two to three times a week now online, a free webinar, nothing to join. And everyone's invited to join me once a month as part of a way in which we try through donation, if we can get some, we have a special webinar, still free. This month in April, we're going to have find the bridge over troubled water. We're going to look at everything that Liz and I have been talking about to begin understanding how we can awaken and begin to live from this place that bridges these opposites that keeps us so in turmoil. And it's free. And you get some gifts if you come. If you make a small donation, you get, you actually get, I think the book, you get a bunch of good stuff. Yeah. I don't even know what it is. I don't pay, but, but so, but that's at guyfinley.org forward slash webinar. Go to guyfinley.org org forward slash webinar. I'm a tech dinosaur, Liz. I swear to God, I am. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you can sign up there. You'll get a notice about the event. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. And last thing I'll say, because it was the first thing that you asked, you and I have sat here and we acknowledge some beautiful things. Now I like to divide that word into act knowledge. Yes. Now I must take these ideas and begin to see whether they're true. I'm not going to try to confirm them. I just want to become aware of whether or not there's something in here that is the next milestone, the next stepping stone for me. If I'll act on the knowledge, for instance, maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll be patient today. I'm not going to agree to be patient for the rest of my life because I know that's a, like a pipe dream, but I'm going to be patient when I go to Walmart, when I'm at the supermarket. That's all I'm going to do, my intention. And you'll discover that there is something in you that doesn't know what patience is. That discovery awakens your wish to know what patience is and to live from it act the knowledge. Beautiful. What a great thing to leave our audience with. Thank you so much, Guy. Thank you. We have to do it again. Yes, that'd be okay. wonderful. All right. Thank great. you so much. Thank you. 
And thank you everyone for joining me today. Reach out to Guy Finley at guyfinley.org forward slash webinar and sign up for his Sunday's webinar, April 18th. That's going to be at 930 Pacific. Everything oh, is wonderful. Go ahead. So glad you said that. And if you can't join us live, it's the replays. Every every talk is replayed. You can yes. you can all of them are there. That's why you want to go to guyfinley.org forward slash webinar because you can go back and catch this if you want, replay it if you want, so forth and so on. Thank you for reminding me. I'm supposed to yes, say that. No problem. And I listened <laughs> to uh, Sunday's replay this morning. It was amazing. Everybody yeah. go listen to it. Okay. Thank you, Guy. It was great. Check Guy out. Thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. This is Liz Peterson at Raise the Vibe with Liz. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Raise the Vibe with Liz and my website at Liz's Healing Touch. Have a great day, everybody. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Thanks, Guy. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.